friends and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano joined as always by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Very excited to be here. <clears throat> Got my glass of wine to celebrate our 1000 uh, brigade member of celebration. I just I won't do it, Joe Namath. I won't be struggling. And uh, well, besides that, Susie, Susie Colbert's not here either. But right. uh, I also do have a cup of coffee. So just for there you go. I, f- I figured you'd throw on your best white fur coat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you you said it. The uh, uh, one of the things we got to get out get out right now. Uh, obviously, part of the show we're going to be kind of a celebration of sorts for us. I mean, the you know just two two buddies doing this for fun, and the fan page, Facebook fan page, has over a thousand members now. I mean, that's that's big deal. You know, it's a heck of a milestone for us. Considering you, it doesn't seem like that long ago we were joking about maybe one day we'll get to a hundred. We started on January the 26th with literally a handful of members. It was me, you, and then uh, the first two members, I think, were um, Maureen, Mrs. M, and my friend Paul and Javier. That was that was a starting five, the Dave Clark five. And right. uh, from there, it's just – so I, I, 254 days later, we hit 1,000. Not too bad. No, all things considered. I mean, you know, you, you think about – We've talked about it before. You look at the numbers, um, just sports and entertainment in general. The life expectancy of your average sports and entertainment podcast is three episodes. Uh, we, we're we're put. I mean, we'll be we'll be hitting fifty before you know it. We I keep, think this is forty two, isn't it? I believe. Keep growing. Keep keep moving along. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 guests we've had, the growth. I mean, you're. Uh, and you look at how we've networked out. I mean, uh, you know, there there you were in the crowd at Jimmy Valiant's show, having him on and the people we met through him. We've got uh, just just the, the last week we did our interview with Scott Teal and we actually had people reach out to us that heard that uh, wanting to to be a part of it, a part of the show. Um, I mean, it's it's. I make no delusions of of competing with you know competing with the heavyweights, but it's it's fun and we continue to grow. And I've gotten some serious compliments. I mean, uh, you sent me the message uh, about the best the best interview. Somebody somebody called it the best interview that they'd ever seen Scott do, and that's I'm considering the hundreds that he's done just since podcasts have been a thing. That's that's a hell of a compliment. I mean, Jim Cornette's gonna be, not going to be calling either one of us and telling us to knock it off. But I mean, to me, a, a podcast is like pizza, and you got if you can find your own little particular flavor that people like. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have to be consumed by millions, but if it makes some people happy, that's a good thing. Yeah, and we continue to the the real heart and soul of what we do. Obviously, it's over a thousand now, but the fan page. Uh, we've had some great conversations. Uh, everybody seems, for the most part, respectful. I mean, anyone anyone who's not related to you, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think one one out of the two uh, warnings from Facebook was uh, my son Dan. Yeah, and, and you know the funny thing is, he didn't even say anything bad. It was the the algorithm. Uh, I think he used the word "killing." 
and it was it, it, it got flagged as possibly offensive comment, even though right. it wasn't. He was talking about he he said something like, "Oh, they're they're killing it out there. They're doing so good." Oh, now, if he he threatened. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Now the yeah. other one was legit though. One one person called another one a ring rat, a ring rat rather. So. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. You can't have everything. No. I mean, well, one in two hundred fifty four days, I'll take that. <laughs> but you well, know, honestly, the the. To me, the page has taken on a life of its own. I mean, over and above the podcast, we have, I mean, it's a legitimate, decent wrestling page. Some excellent content. We have a lot of people that post content. You get wrestling videos, you know, matches, promos, a lot of people. And even, you know, we had Controversial Inc. And, you know, they promote their their next, their upcoming events in there, which is mm -hmm. great. Anybody can do that. Uh, we even have other other podcast hosts. Um Post post their upcoming podcast in there, no problem. Like I said, you know, right. it's uh, a different flavor of pizza. And and it's it, you have authors, you have uh, writers, wrestlers, even even some of the guests that we've had, or uh, friends and family of some of the guests that we've had, or um, family of of people who we've mentioned on the show before. Uh, you know, so it's neat that you have you see some of these conversations, and they're talking about. You know, oh, I remember this this match with, you know, uh, the the Valiant Brothers, blah blah blah, and it's like, you know, you you, you see you, you see the you you hear the narrative, and then one of the comments is from somebody who was there, or Jimmy Valiant. Oh yeah, I remember that, and like I was there when you know we worked together with the title. I still, I've told the story before. I, I post. I was just clearing out some pictures on on my computer, and I posted that one. Uh, when I happened to just run into uh, Ivan Koloff and his his wife responded, how awesome of a picture that was. And that's, you know, the you have kind of a weird, you know, they, they always everybody jokes about that, that uh, that one cousin you, you always warn your family, your friends about before Thanksgiving. You know, we've got a whole page of those, but but we get along and it's great. Oh, absolutely! No, it's it's fun. I mean, just you know, you, we'll post a picture of or a, a video of old school WWF wrestling, and then you'll get a comment by John Rodriguez, who we all know as Johnny Rods, or yeah. Davey O'Hannon. You know, two of my favorites from the seventies. I mean, they're participating on our page. That's that's great. Absolutely, it's it's something else, and it shows to the 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 nature of what we do, the the guests that we have, the the friends of the show that we have. It's it's all about just having fun and telling stories. There's there's not that that high stress. There's not that that cutthroat environment that you see from some shows. And we're not out there to 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 bury or like I said, I make no delusions. We're not going to put Jr. Or, or Jim Cornette or any of these guys out of business. You know, we're we're coming for we're coming for Brian Zane and what culture or, or whatever the, the, the big shows are. We're not doing that. We're here to just do our own thing and have fun. And, and hey, just just doing that, we hit a thousand fans and we'll keep growing and keep having fun. And to me, if I get, you know, like we get a, co a comment about, you know, that was one of Scott Teal's best interviews ever. To me, that that, you know, that that says we're doing something right. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the Scottsdale interview, there was a, an issue with the original upload, and it was not uploaded very long. And we got an email to the Dan and Benny account saying, hey, I'm trying to listen to the Scott interview and something wrong with the sound. And I went back and fixed it. I mean, that was – there there, there you go. You, you have people out there saying, hey, I, I, you know, 
everything because up to the point where the sound cut out, this is great. I want to hear the rest of it. It wasn't a criticism. It wasn't, you know, just let it go. And we've already had dozens of dozens of comments and, and people coming out. Uh, the Scott Taylor interview really blew up uh, last week and, and we've had a lot of fun with it. That e- that email was actually from Jim Cornette. He was he's checking up on us. It was <laughs> <laughs> he used a different name. That's all right. Yeah. Who Who is it? Um. Uh, the 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 one that's always emailing him the questions. Oh, the Charlie from Starkville, Mississippi. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Yeah, that, that's our our own that, that Charlie was, from yeah. Starkville. He's Charlie now. <laughs> well, you you know how many people keep accusing Brian Last of being Charlie. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, um, outside of of growing and and having fun, uh, it's been it was a pretty good week for wrestling fans. We had uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. This week coming up, you have the Crown Jewel pay per view, WWE's big Crown Jewel show in Saudi Arabia. Uh, first time they've done uh, something big overseas like that since COVID, and it's going to be interesting to see because that's a hell of a card, and we'll get to that shortly. But you had the go-home Raw and the go-home SmackDown for it. As a matter of fact, the SmackDown that, that aired a few days ago was a, a super show of sorts. Uh, it was They had a 30-minute overrun uh, main event, and AEW, that was the, they competed directly with AEW on Friday. Interesting note, um, while I thought SmackDown was a decent show for what it was the the coveted demographic the 18 to 49 year olds aw actually won that so that's the first time they've gone uh directly time slot to time slot toe-to-toe with smackdown and to win that big demographic because you and i were talking before the show starts you know 18 to 49 year olds that's the group that you want to build your business around no offense to the older fans uh but you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, those are the those are the guys and girls that are going to watch wrestling for the next 30 years. They're the ones when you know you think about people in their in their 40s now, like late 30s, early 40s now, that were teenagers during the peak of the Attitude, Monday Night Wars, you know, WCW, NWO, Raw's War, that stuff. That they got hooked around that time and. Are some of them are still watching today? That's what you want to build the audience around. You know, to to for a company that's two years old to be growing in that demographic says a lot about the quality of the product. I mean, uh, you know, you you joked uh, earlier about Jim Cornette. He was one of the the many that that I'll give it a shot, but he didn't. He didn't know what to think, and and a lot of guys didn't. And some people, I mean, you heard people calling AEW basically a glorified uh, T-shirt store, um, you know, amateur hour. And here we are, two years later, and they're they're beating the big boys. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, they're it's like a a baseball organization. Yeah, to a certain extent, you can succeed with free agents, but really, to be successful over the long term, you got to build that farm system. And oh, that's yeah. what AEW is doing. They're, they're growing it from, you know, from the bottom up. Absolutely. As a uh, as a diehard Orioles fan, I can tell you that much because for many years, Baltimore had the the lowest rated farm system in the majors. And that's slowly changed at, with leadership changes. And now you look at some of the like Cedric Mullins and some of the young talent that they fielded and you see years you know, that that team is going to be they're got they'll have a good core years down the road. Right, exactly. So, 
But yeah, or, uh, you know, you talk about sometimes, too, you, you watch the big boys and the small boys. Remember, what was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember the year off the top of my head now. I want to say 99, somewhere in there, where the Florida Marlins beat the Yankees in the World Series. And the Yankees, the Yankees, I had, think, yeah. yeah, they had players on their roster making more money than the entire payroll of Florida. Like one player, you know, making because F- Florida was the lowest the lowest salaried pay team to ever win a world series. And you, you had just good up and coming young talent and they beat the powerhouse. So I mean, they we'll played as and- a team. That's, you know, like I'm a diehard Yankee fan. They, they got eliminated, you know, fairly quickly and it, they, they, they have a lot of great players, but they, they're not a team. You know, the, the teams that are still there, like the Rays, the Rays don't have anywhere near the talent as the Yankees, but the Rays are a way better team. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I I've seen that before. I mean, some of the some of the core groups and, and you look at granted not a, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but but the, you look at the young talent, uh your your Jungle Boys and MJF, uh you know, some of these some of these guys that that you know, Adam Page for example, you see even uh, you know, some of some of the mid the mid tier younger guys uh, that you know you that's that's talent you can build a a franchise around. I mean they're not maybe gonna gonna bring. I mean they're not gonna bring in the Rock and Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and Flair and and Steamboat and the NWA or, or Dusty Rhodes and Terry Funk numbers, but they've got a good crop of young talent. They've got some you know how what was it just a couple weeks ago we were talking about. Uh, Sting in the tag match, sixty-two years old, looks better than he has in decades. Yeah. Um, you know, your 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 CM Punks and Dean Ambrose and, or excuse me, John Moxley and uh, you know, Daniel Bryan, some of these guys that are that still have ten years left, easy that that'll, that'll bring numbers and crowds and maybe you I, can. Fit. I honestly think that WWE is looking at right now, but I think AEW is looking at five years from now, and I think yeah. they're building it that way. Yeah, and and you see the difference too. It might not be perfect. It might not be how I would do things, but there's little things that AEW does that you can tell they're building a future. Whereas WWE is willing to throw talent into a blender for the sake of of a few ratings right now. Right. <clears throat> I mean, you, you saw that with we're about to talk about Crown Jewel here where Goldberg beat the fiend in Saudi Arabia, or, you know, you, you see talent Brock Lesnar and some of these older guys come in the rock beating CM Punk. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw away the future or hurt the future for something right this second. And I like what AEW does with their older talent, Chris Jericho and sting. And then you see guys like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and, and they, they, they're never, they might win a match, they might win a feud, but they never feel like the central focus. You know, Jericho finally getting the better of MJF through the labors and the the moment of him coming out with the crowd singing Judas. Uh, you know, yes, he may have won in the end, Jericho did, but MJF felt like the star coming out of that. You know, Sting might win a match here or there, but but just him being near Darby Allen has made him a bigger name. 
Yeah, their their role is to build the company. It's not for them for them to get over. Yeah, exactly. Which is different from having Goldberg come in and win the title off a young up and coming superstar just to lose the title to Lesnar at Mania. Right. But I don't know. We'll see. Now, we did have one uh, that I got uh, question submitted. Because where we had, we asked for questions. Yeah. And it was again from Maureen, Mrs. M. And she is a huge Lou Albano fan. She met him at Great Adventure in New Jersey. He was, he was standing in back of her. And I think he had, he had rubber bands in his... I, I don't think he had them in his face that time. I think he had them in his, in his beard. But uh, she asked me about the, their, the Sicilian gimmick they did at one point and whatever happened with that. So uh, Lou Albano and Tony Altimore were wrestling out in the Midwest as the Sicilians. And they, this is in the early 60s. They actually wore the white hats, the black jackets. You know, of course, they didn't have any pants, but you know, um, but they they wore the you know from the from the uh, waist up. They were the Sicilians, and uh, they they cut promos kind of like Lou, Lou cut a promo like a wise guy. And rumor has it, one of the families, quote unquote, told them to knock it off. So, guess what? They knocked it off. <laughs> well, maybe that's, that's that's where, maybe that's where maybe that's where. Lou got his early auditions for his later, later role playing uh, Super Mario. Super Mario, yeah, yeah, but that's what happened to him. They, and they were quite successful. I mean, nobody really thinks of Lou Albano as a wrestler at, with any kind of, you know, any kind of modicum of success. But him and Altimore, I think they even won the WWF United States title at one point. They yeah, were pretty Lou, decent. Lou Albano is one of those guys where he kind of. I, I hate I hate to to put them together because they're they're just both great talents. But he he's in the category with like a gorilla monsoon, where a majority of his career came from local television, or you know when when you could go years without being in front of a camera, but still be a big star in the wrestling world. You know, uh, and once once TV kind of took over, those guys were started being more known for managers and on screen personalities. You know, how many fans, I mean, diehard fans, people 30, 40 years in, don't realize that Lou Albano actually wrestled and was not always just a talker. Yeah, Lou, Lou uh, one day, uh, Bruno said to Lou, Lou, you're not a very good wrestler, um, but I think you'd be a great manager. And I guess he went, Bruno went to Vince Sr. and recommended that they put Lou as a manager. And of course, the, the rest is history. One of the, if you, you know, if, if you're Evan Ginsburg, Evan's quite adamant that Lou is the greatest manager ever, and Evan's a pretty smart guy, so who am I to oh, argue yeah. with him? Yeah, we, we, we've we talked with Evan in the past, and he said Lou Albano is definitely on his Mount Rushmore of managers. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Should be on anybody's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've you got, uh, <laughs> you got some moments there. And, of course, you know, it's funny to, to think, too, his, his appearance in the Cyndi Lauper music video and working as the go-between. I mean, his appeal he he was really he had mainstream appeal of people that were fans of him or knew who he was outside of wrestling before that really became a thing right i mean he was an integral part of the rock and wrestling connection oh absolutely absolutely and and i don't think i mean obviously everybody talks about you know hogan and the success there and cindy lopper i don't think he gets enough credit for that no no because in the early, right, right around the first WrestleMania, he was involved. Piper, there was a big thing with uh, 
Cindy Lauper, her boyfriend, I guess, or manager, Dave Wolf, I think the guy's name was, uh, Piper and Albano and, and Wendy Richter. And yeah, Lou was right in the fray of that. I mean, Lou, you, I, I agree with you. He does not get enough credit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's that's so true. And it's funny to think, you know, picture I, I, I it's funny to picture him trying to play the Don character. Well, I mean, just like when you the guy's life history is it's just amazing. I mean, his father was, a, I think, a heart surgeon or some kind of surgeon. The mother was a concert pianist. Lou and I mean, I think all of Lou's brothers went into education. Lou went to, uh, I think, University of Tennessee on a football scholarship, got kicked out because he was cheating on a test, uh, mm. then decided he wanted to be a professional boxer. And I think it was Willie Gilsenberg, who actually was in the boxing business as well in the 50s, said, ah, you're too small to be a boxer, but how about wrestling? And he got it, and then he got into wrestling. And, you know, again, the rest is history. Right. But what a character. I mean, you, there there aren't any more like Lou Albano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and any, anybody ever, anybody wants to uh, honor him, just throw a couple rubber bands in your beard. There you go. Which, which is still just such a unique look. Nobody's even tried to, you know, we, we talked about it on the show with like Hulk Hogan clearly being uh, a knockoff of Eddie Graham. You know, n- nobody has even really tried to be the next Lou Albano. He, what did he say? Often imitated, never duplicated. Exactly. And then somebody else said never imitated, often constipated. But yeah, <laughs> no, you, you, I've never seen in the history of my 66 year old life. I have never seen anybody with rubber bands in their cheek besides <laughs> Lou Albano. It's, it's such a good look, too. For him, it was. You know, it worked. Oh, yeah. It definitely worked. And he pulled it off. You know, you hear sometimes you say that that's a weird look, but you can do it. He pulled it off. I wonder sometimes, like, you see some of these old interviews with him and McMahon, the way they interact with each other. I mean, I'm talking about Vince Jr. And I, I got to wonder, like, what was like what was on Vince's mind? When Vince is interviewing this guy, because he he was legit crazy. Oh, well, and you could tell, too, you look at some of the old clips of him and, and Vince, is that was clear, uh, uh, that was a real interview. Vince had no idea when he would ask those questions. He had no idea what was oh, going no. to come out of Lou's mouth. Yep. And you saw the reactions. And that's how many times on the show, Benny, have we said that 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 I, I truly believe it wrestling's you know we talk the ratings and and the appeal the appeal today i think the ratings for wrestling double if you go back to unscripted promos and and your your real feel characters like that but i think you do it like that you you don't do it with a guy with a mic in the middle of the ring you do it with like a deadpan interviewer like vince mcmahon jr right just straight faced and you know asking well, that's, that's why G, uh, Gene Okerlund was so good in all his years between the AWA and WCW and the WWF. Oh, if you, there, Gene has about a million outtakes on YouTube because he couldn't keep a straight face. Yeah. Well, and of course, the the what was it? The 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 Survivor Series where they accidentally aired the clip of the sign falling down when he cursed. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They 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 cut and took did a, re, a new take, but they uploaded the wrong copy. Right. Mean Gene at his finest. Well, we're recording this, Benny, to, to transition. It's a Tuesday. This coming Thursday, 
uh, October 21st is going to be Crown Jewel coming live from Saudi Arabia. Uh, the WWE continues their their contract with the Saudi Sports Authority. Uh, this is the first first show outside the United States uh, since February of last year, uh, where they did the Super Showdown, the the infamous Goldberg Fiend match that we talked about earlier. And more importantly, um, this show is going to have the finals to the King of the Ring tournament, something they haven't done in a long time, and the fr- finals to the first ever Queen's Crown tournament. So I'm curious to see if uh, if they actually do something with it, or are they going to have two royal characters that they just kind of brush to the wayside? Yeah. You know, which is unfortunate. Don't get me wrong. I think the, the King Corbin character helped his, his appeal, but... They have had a bad track record in recent ye- well, not recent years, but recent events of not doing much with the King of the Ring winners. So we're going to look at this, and on paper, and we talked about this offline, Benny, on paper, this is really one heck of a card they've got coming up. You've got uh, several title matches. More importantly, you've got a, uh, a, a we'll, and we'll, we'll talk about it, you have a triple threat or uh for the, for a, a triple threat women's match, which is the first time that they've done anything like that. Um, if you remember the the big how big a deal it was when Lacey Evans and Natalia wrestled, it was the first time the WWE had female competitors. And uh, not to get uh, off topic, but but a country with not exactly the the best track record of the treatment of its female athletes. Right. Exactly. So, um, but yeah. It, I, I won't I'll have to uh, keep my phone off. Uh, I won't be able to watch live, but I do plan on catching up and I'll definitely watch because it's uh, like I said, it's a heck of a card and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, have are you caught up on uh, how everything's going? I know we're recording this the day after the go home raw. I had to like this morning before I left for work. I did Google the results of raw because there was some implications to uh, to the, the, the pay-per-view. I agree, and I'll tell you, you didn't you didn't miss much. Uh, uh, as good as SmackDown was the other day, I thought Raw was, eh. It, it it didn't really feel like they went all out for the go home show. And of course, too, it's important that the the draft that that had recently happened that's going to take effect after this event. So hope we'll see if that factors into how some of the stuff ends or some of these matches and moments. But we'll start, Benny, going in, uh, looking at the card here with a grudge match of sorts. Uh, uh, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor. Mansoor, of course, the first Saudi-born WWE superstar and really a a town hero. He won the big battle royal they did a couple years ago. He's undefeated at the Crown Jewel events. And he had quite a winning streak uh, before moving up to the main roster. This was a tag team that split due to, you know, the fact that Every tag team seems to have disagreements. That's one thing WWE is good at is breaking up tag teams. Um, This match, personally, I'm looking forward to not as much for the story. I honestly think this is one of those blow-off matches where they'll have a match and then get back together as a team um, down the road, if not immediately. But I think just the talent these two have and the way they play off each other, uh, it should be one of the better matches of the night. And... Just based on the fact that they're in Saudi Arabia, I think I've got Mansoor for this one. What do you think of Benny? Same thing. 
you know, they're going to, you know, one one for the home team, one for the home crowd. And it will be a phenomenal match, though. And I, I agree with you. They, they probably will get back together. It makes okay. sense. Well, I mentioned at the top of the show um, the, the King of the Ring and Queen's Crown Championship. So this card is not just going to have the first triple threat women's match they've done in Saudi Arabia. It'll have a mul- there'll be multiple women's matches on this card. As you start, we'll, we'll start with the Queen's Crown Tournament Finals between uh, Dewdrop and Zelina Vega. Now, I'll admit, when I saw the bracket, when they first released the bracket for the Queen's Crown Tournament, I'm thinking, okay, now is your chance to bump up the next star. Now you're going to maybe, now's the time to reboot Shayna Baszler. Now's the time to finally give Liv Morgan that that bump in the right direction. If you had asked me to pick every possible combination of who I thought was going to be in the finals, I don't. I still don't think I would have picked Dewdrop and Zelina Vega as the finals for this, um, especially because Zelina Vega hasn't exactly been setting the world on fire since her return to the company. Uh, I mean, am I wrong here, Benny? No, no. Actually, I, when I looked at the bracket, I immediately said Shayna Baszler, hands down. Because lately she's been dominating and you know destroying everybody. I thought right. that was an easy one, it's especially with that that hurt in the arm where you know using yes. the stairs. And when she was in when she was in MMA and a bit in uh, NXT, her her nickname was the Queen of Spades. So it seemed like a natural fit to kind of bump back. She was my pick until yeah, yeah. I will say, however, something of note for the for the Queen's crown and. It has been irritating. They've done King of the Ring many, many times. They've had some great moments in King of the Ring matches. But they've also had some shorter ones that could have been better, longer matches, especially in some of the early pay-per-views where you you would wrestle three or four times in a night. But the first round, Dewdrop beat Natalia in three minutes. And that was the longest match of this tournament so far. I'm going to I'm going to read you some times here and and just to give you an idea of of the the endless amount of screen time that they have put the first round matches Zelina Vega beat Tony Storm two minutes, 10 seconds. Carmella beat Liv Morgan in a minute 40. Shayna Baszler beat Dana Brooke in a minute 25 and Dewdrop beat Natalia in three minutes. So. You have four matches. Barely nine minutes of screen time. For four matches. Then your semifinals. Zelina Vega beats Carmella at 2 minutes 40. And Dewdrop beats Shayna Baszler in 2.45. Now granted there were some shenanigans thrown in there. But you're you're trying to build the Queen's Crown Tournament. The first ever Queen's Crown Tournament. The the Give Divas a Chance Part 2. The, the Women's Revolution Part 2. Or whatever you want to call it. And you can't be bothered to give them a little more screen time. You've got talent in there. Zelina Vega and Tony Storm could have had a seven, eight minute match and been very good. Liv Morgan, Carmella, um, even like Zelina Vega, Carmella later. I, I get why they kept that short because of the story with the mask and all. And then you, know, you, you could have really done something with those matches. And to give you an idea of the, the, the dividing time, you know, there you are, like I said, the entire first round, less than nine minutes of screen time. Finn Balor 
and Cesaro in the first round of the of the King of the Ring tournament was over 11 minutes, just one match. I mean, you, I do, I don't want to imply it because I get maybe maybe they're trying to condense the story for the for the Saudi Arabia Arabia crowd. I don't know, but it really feels like the Queen's Crown tournament was an afterthought that was just kind of thrown together at the last second. And I really think they're they're being they're getting devalued, like like a Shayna Baszler it, losing in in two minutes and change, or it, you know, it it devalues any of them that lose that quick. Exactly. I mean, especially someone like like a Tony Storm, who's one of the best female performers of her generation, period, and pure talent across the board. Uh, at former, I mean, NXT UK Women's Champion, NXT Superstar loses in two minutes. I, I forgot she had even been called up to the main roster. Yeah. Like, it, it reminds me, it, it, the the Give Divas a Chance thing from a few years ago all started from that, what was it? It was like a, a two or three minute match that had been built up for weeks and people were sick of it. I, I'm, I honestly, I think just based on what they're, what they're doing, I, I don't know. I honestly, I, I thought about this back and forth. I made some notes as we were talking and I ended up going with Dewdrop as my prediction just because winning this tournament or the, is the first couple matches. Alina Vegas won in a row since she's come back. I really think they're I, I don't see them strapping a rocket to her right now or doing anything with a queen gimmick. And with Dewdrop being breaking away from Eva Marie the way she did and kind of not really limbo, but she needs some kind of a character other than, uh, you know, yay for me. And I think she could use a queen gimmick right now. Yeah, I literally had to flip a coin on this one. Uh, and I actually, the coin landed for me <clears throat> on, on Zelina Vega. Um, I okay. believe she's actually from Queens. New York. So that kind of, not that that's going to really matter a whole lot, but I just see her being able to, because quite honestly, I, I, like you said, they had, they had like nothing invested in this. So really the significance of winning this isn't going to be that much either. In my opinion, you, you, whatever, what, whoever wins, I don't think much is going to happen with them anyway, but I think she could probably do a good job being the evil queen. Now, yeah. On a positive note, I, I kind of figured out the name where the name Dewdrop came because if she runs into you, you do drop. So. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. I think that Zelina Vega could do more with the gimmick, especially the her penchant for the costumes and the cosplay and the and the the inspired ring attire that she wears. Um, of course, me, I also. I, I don't want to think this because it just shows how shitty the company is, but I almost feel like the push that she's getting now is in response to the negative publicity the company got by keeping her off the 9-11 show. Right. Because you, 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 for those not familiar with that story, she had lost family in the September 11th attacks, and it was a big deal to perform on September 11th in New York she, they had everything set up, and at the last second, they cut her segment, didn't really give a reason, and she's backstage in, in gear. Tough break. Sorry, kid. You, know, you, you couldn't find 30 seconds in a show that had a lot of filler. And 
that they, they took they took some serious heat for that on social media. Uh, and I'm almost wondering if her this is kind of a, a makeup for it. Yeah, very well could be. So we'll see. And, and she's got the talent to go there. I mean, her her time in TNA is Rosita, her time on the independence, obviously. Uh, I thought her partnering with, uh, well, I guess he he goes by uh, Andrade El Idolo now, but when he was just on, uh, on when he was Andrade Cien Almas, Almas, and then yeah, yeah, and then he lost his, his middle and last name because Vince McMahon hates last names. He was just Andrade for a while. They were a great pair, and she really had had the talent for it. So we'll see how it goes. I I think they got a lot. It could go either way, but I just think Dewdrop is the one who seems like the choice. I don't know. But again, like you said, I, I bounce back and forth. However, I'm I am more convinced uh, the men's King of the Ring tournament finals is something I I don't remember seeing this in quite some time. It's a face versus face finals. Uh, I've seen face heel and heel heel, but I do I, I honestly I had to think about it for a while. I don't remember a face face King of the Ring finals and. It's Finn Balor and Xavier Woods. Now, if you remember, Xavier Woods really kind of willed the tournament into into existence. He was talking about being king, wanting the King of the Ring to come back before they ever announced it. Kind of, you know, he wants that that chapter. You got Big E as the champion on Raw, Kofi Kingston, former WWE champion. Xavier Woods is the only one who hasn't really doesn't have that that singles feather in his cap. Um, and I think it tells the perfect story, especially with the New Day breaking up again with Big E staying on Raw and Xavier and Kofi going to SmackDown. I, I think he takes that that King gimmick with him. Maybe even, I mean, I, I don't I don't see a heel turn by any means, but maybe that that goofy tweener act they would pull from time to time, where they would kind of they were clearly faces, but they would still you know, distract the ref or slip, you know, hold, hold the tights or something like that, you know, but, but I don't think, I don't think Finn Balor needs a King gimmick. I think the demon and what he does is Finn Balor is, is plenty. And I do believe this is going to be a phenomenal match, but my pick for this one would be is woods. What do you think, Benny? Xavier woods all the way. This is, you know, he gets the proverbial loyalty bone because he, I mean, he's been a great, he's been a great hand. Uh, but he, all of his accolades have been associated with New Day, um, and he, I, he's a very good wrestler. I, 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 you know, I think he deserves this. And like you said, I mean, Finn had that great match against Roman Reigns. He's already the Demon. He's already the Prince. So he's got enough titles. I, I, it'll be a great match. But yes, Xavier prevails. Yeah, and I do believe with Xavier having a king gimmick, we had Oscar uh, from Men on a Mission on the show not that long ago. And if you remember when when Mabel won King of the Ring, you had Sir Mo. I, I would love to see what they do with Kofi if Xavier's the king. I think those two could play some some really entertaining bits. Absolutely. So yeah, I and I hope that's what they go with. And the crowd's gonna be good for it. Uh moving on, the next match is a gr- a one of two big grudge matches on the card. And that's Edge and Seth Rollins three. This is kind of the rubber match. They had the mania. They had the follow up. This is Hell in a Cell. Now, this has had an interesting build. Uh, 
because Edge has always been great with the serious promos. Yes, he can play the goofball, but he's always been so great with the intense, serious promos. And Seth Rollins has gone back to the evil bastard gimmick where he's, you know, he shows up at Edge's house. He comes to Raw or excuse me, he was on SmackDown with a picture he took from like, you know, through the fridge, you know, getting getting uh, Beth Phoenix involved. I, I this is another one where I could see it going either way. They're 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 both moving to Raw. Uh, both Seth Rollins and Edge were, were drafted to Raw in the, in the draft, so this feud could continue, which is why I don't think it needs the big blow-off. But it goes to what, when we did our WrestleMania discussion all those months back, I don't think Seth Rollins suffers as much from a loss, losing the feud as Edge does. Because Seth Rollins, when you're that that snarky bastard heel, you can just move transition to the next feud, no big deal. And without without losing any momentum, Edge being the 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 comeback conquering babyface, if he loses this feud, it's harder for him to transition. And I think just from the sake of storyline, I would pick Edge because I think he his character and where they're going on Raw needs it. Yeah, I think you know once once you cross that line, you go into somebody's house. You know, you you take a picture of was it his wife or his child? Yeah, I'm not I think sure it's what both. Movie. Yeah, and he even drank his orange juice out of his fridge, like the bastard, you know. <laughs> right. But I, I think we, with with that, I, I think, and I think, like you said, I think Edge needs this a lot more than Seth. Seth's kind of Teflon at this point, I think. Oh, whatever absolutely. he whatever he does, he's just gonna morph onto the next feud, and I mean, he can even reinvent himself a little bit. I don't like I, I don't like the current gimmick. I mean, I think Seth Rollins is a phenomenal talent. He's like a once in a generation talent, but I just I don't like the gimmick. But who knows? But well, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm sorry, Benny. I thought you were done. Go ahead. No, I, I, I do see, I see um, Edge winning this, and I do, I have my note here, match of the night. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think this could easily be match of the night, and I, there's two points to make. One, I couldn't help but find humor when in the you, you mentioned when he was at the house and he drank the orange juice. Edge had talked about being on the road all the time. Who keeps orange juice in their fridge when you haven't been home in two weeks? You know, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I get the, the the idea. Beth Beth is at home with the kids, but we know she's on the road too. But it's um the other thing is yes, I'm I get a lot of people are not a big fan of the goofy suit wearing snarky heel that Rollins is now, but I will take this character every second of every day over his Monday night Messiah gimmick that he kind of brought with him. Yes. And I'm almost worried because he's going back to raw that we might see more of that. So I hope edge beats him just to keep him in this character that he's in now. Yes. Agree. So moving on from one grudge match to another, this is a grudge match that has involved death threats, uh, bodily injury and the assault of a child. This is Goldberg and Bobby Lashley. Now, if you remember uh, the match they had Lashley defending the title, uh, Goldberg unable to finish the match and the match ending with Lashley trying to basically end Goldberg's career, Goldberg's son jumping him from behind Lashley do it, putting a hurt on no pun intended on uh, Goldberg's son, who was a minor. And then, of course, Goldberg, rightfully, you put your hands on my boy, I'm going to kill you. 
this is the match that I'm not going to lie. A part of me is looking forward to, even though I've been very, very vocal since we've been doing this show together, Benny, on how much I don't like the the modern use of Goldberg. Although I do think current Goldberg, his his uh, matches with Lesnar, the Fiend, Kevin Owens, that that story arc, I think he was better then than he was towards the end of his certainly towards his first WWE run and towards the end of his time in WCW. I think older, leaner, meaner Goldberg puts on a better match, just as long as the match lasts less than three minutes. If you remember his match against uh, Drew McIntyre, Goldberg was openly gassed before the match started because of how extravagant his entrance was. Yeah. You know, you, you should, you shouldn't be blown up walking to the ring and, but Lashley proved with his big Hoss character, especially someone who's naturally uh, slow beat downs, long rest holds that, that fit, He's the kind of guy you can get a t- eight, 10 minutes of, out of Goldberg because the match can move at a slower pace and it doesn't feel like you're intentionally slowing down. Um, I, I think a, a great example, uh, years back at Mania, the first Rock versus John Cena match, there was a spot in the match where John Cena was going to climb to the top rope and hit that, that leg drop modified, like leg drop famouser that he was doing for a little while. Yes. And the rock was clearly blown up and slow to get in position. And it took John Cena all day to get to the top of the rope. And it was blatantly obvious that he was taking his time because the rock needed to catch his breath. <laughs> Whereas when I was watching the Goldberg Lashley match, you saw moments where Lashley would hit the shoulder and kind of being the consummate professional, he would sort of nudge Goldberg to roll out of the ring. And it's like, okay. Goldberg is resting, but it doesn't look like Goldberg's resting. It looks like you just knocked the, the, the bejeebs out of him, and now you're taking your sweet time posing and flexing and being all snarky before you go cocky, before you go out there to beat him up some more. Um, so I think they might be able to do something with this. Unfortunately, Bobby Lashley beat up a child, so the only way this match ends with a satisfactory ending is Goldberg spearing him in half. Um so for that, even though I don't want him to, my pick is Goldberg, just because I think that's where they're going here. This one, like I, I'd bet, literally bet the house on this one. There's no way this can end any other way. Um, you know, the shame is now, in my opinion, Bobby Lashley should still be the the WWE champion. I, I thought he did a great job. I, I don't know Absolutely. why. And I, I don't think. I mean, I like Biggie. I, I and I guess they have to give him a, a run with the championship just to see how he'll do, but. I don't. Th- I think it was a little bit too soon. I think they should have kept the belt on Lashley. But you know, that being said, <clears throat> now they have to do a little bit of a you know if, when he loses this match, a little, little bit of a reboot. And yeah. Was, because I think MVP is still going to be gone for a, a bit. I don't think he's coming back real quick. Yeah. Well, if if you remember in the build up to this match, the Hurt Business reunited. Well, he's, yeah, he's got he's got Sheldon and uh, Cedric. Cedric. Yeah. Which again, they should never have broken up in the first place. The only problem is, you know, and I don't like his promos. They're not terrible, Bobby. I mean, they're not MVP quality promos, but they're not awful. Right. Well, and he's certainly gotten better. If you remember, even even during some of his years in TNA, but his early WWE days, Bobby Lashley and a microphone did not get along at all. Yeah, there was an allergy, I think. <laughs> well, you mentioned Drew McIntyre or excuse me, Big E, and um, I mentioned Drew McIntyre, so let's get to the next match, 
there's actually a championship, WWE title on the line. Big E is defending against Drew McIntyre. Now, I think this has a chance to be the big Haas fight. Two big men just beating the living crap out of each other. The kind of stuff that crowds eat up. Unfortunately, in what seems like obvious booking, uh, Drew McIntyre was drafted to SmackDown. Big E is staying on Raw. So there's no way you take the title to SmackDown, unfortunately. So Big E wins this match, or at least in some, it might be shenanigans, interference or whatever, but Big E keeps the belt. I, I have two reasons. One is, like you said, Drew's going to SmackDown. Two is Big E just got the title. Too soon to yeah. change it. Well, uh, that and uh, some some rumors circulating, I guess, a couple of venues that are starting to pre-sell tickets for SmackDown events coming up like towards the end of the year are advertising Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. So it seems like that might be the next feud for, for Reigns. So you wouldn't that wouldn't be champion versus champion that would make no sense right uh, but yeah i think Big E keeps it no no question you talk about betting the farm big biggie biggie keeps the bell here yeah, absolutely but uh going to from a title uh, that i believe will be easily kept to another match where i predict the champions retain just because it seems to be what makes the most sense um the rk bros randy orton and riddle defend against aj styles and omos I honestly, these are four men that are very entertaining. I love AJ Styles. I like what Omos has done. Uh, even I, I've even got a soft spot for some of the goofy. Um, what's what's the polite word? Uh, very very obvious pot and marijuana jokes that Riddle keeps making. Um, but honestly, this feud seems like it's going on forever. I just kind of I kind of want it to end and these teams to move on to other things. So, and I think the best way to do that is for the RK bros to keep the titles and then AJ and Omos move on to other things. Agree. And I think you predicted a while back <clears throat> that <clears throat> when, uh, when AJ and Omos break up, that Omos is going to be the baby face, didn't you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think they're going to do a very much Diesel Shawn Michaels move where Omos becomes the big baby face and AJ Styles is the small heel. I've seen uh, like the last the uh, last raw where style was kind of like egging almost on and almost was making, you know, a little bit of a face like he was, you know, AJ was annoying him. So maybe yeah. we're starting to see them unravel already. Maybe. And plus, I mean, the, you listen to the crowd reaction. Omos is is very over yes. with the crowd. And I mean, even at Mania, when he pretty much single handedly beat the New Day by himself. And I mean, beat them badly, like, and pinned both of them easily at the same time. The crowd was loving that. These are two of the biggest faces in your company, and the crowd is cheering them, getting the crap beaten out of them because of how much they wanted to see Omos just beat up, beat up people. And he's a great story the fans love because if you remember when we first saw Omos on TV, he was a giant ninja, and that the fact that he's evolved into what he is now. I think is great. And I think AJ Styles deserves all the credit in the world for what he's been able to do. Yeah. And I think that was the whole point just to, you know, spend some time under the learning tree. And I think maybe they think he's got enough experience to kind of branch out on his own. But I, I do see, I do see that unraveling starting to happen. I think we'll see more of it at, at crown jewel. I, I think that would be a good way to go with this, that this would be the good event to start that split. 
But speaking of splitting, the next match, uh, the penultimate title match, you have a, a women's triple threat, which is a huge deal being in Saudi Arabia. Becky Lynch is defending the SmackDown women's title against Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Now, this is interesting because both Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch have been drafted to Raw. So logic would dictate Sasha Banks win the title and keep it on SmackDown. But we've seen uh, just a few years ago with, I believe it was Becky Lynch and Asuka, where they got drafted to the other shows and just backstage they said, hey, and they just swapped belts and walked off with each other. You know, it, we'll, who, who knows? Um, but what do you think, Benny? But what, what do you think they're doing here? I think that, uh, and I think it goes against the grain. I think Becky's going to retain and go to Raw. And I, I think because Charlotte's on SmackDown, I think she wrestled um, Bianca last night, wasn't it, on Raw? And yeah. there was no title change. I mean, if there had been a title change last night, I might have thought differently. But I think, you know, with, with Charlotte, with the title on SmackDown, I think you need to, I think they're just going to swap the titles. Yeah, or have some kind of, uh, I, I almost, you know, some kind of, of shenanigans match where they end up with each other's belts, you know. You, you remember... Uh, I guess it was probably in the late 90s, Kurt Angle was a double champion, and he was in a triple threat match with Jericho and, and He Who Shall Not Be Named. And uh, the first fall won the European title, and the second fall won the Intercontinental title, and Angle lost both belts. It, it, was, it was kind of a, a very creative way of, of transitioning both champions into new things. Yeah, they could do something like that very easily. Yeah, I, I like it. But I, but I I don't I don't see Becky losing the title. You know, I I I said it would seem like Sasha would be the obvious choice, but I agree with you. I think they keep the title on Becky Lynch and I think they find a creative way to to do something with Charlotte being you've got the Raw Women's Champion drafted to SmackDown and SmackDown Women's Champion drafted to Raw. So I, I agree. I think Becky Lynch keeps the title just because you want to build your divisions around the two biggest names that you have right now, especially with Rhea Ripley being tied up in the tag title scene. Right, exactly. Unrelated side note, um, I hope that she gets her, uh, finds her bag, if you hadn't heard that story. Who, Rhea Ripley? Yeah, she she tweeted out that she lost her her bag that had her gear and the her half of the women's title in it. So to check eBay if anybody if weekend. anybody yeah. sees her uh, her Rhea Ripley gear for sale online, you'll know you'll know where it came from. But Benny, we we end the night with the match that, I, without question, has had the best booking leading up to it of any of these. Maybe Edge and Rollins can tell a better story, but Roman Reigns. Heel Roman Reigns, head of the table, tribal chief, best thing this company has done in years. And, of course, Brock Lesnar. I mean, he's always good for entertainment value as far as ratings and, and crowd goes. Um, but this bit, this buildup with Lesnar constantly playing the mind games where Paul Heyman secretly works for him and he called me and he knew I was coming back. Uh, just on SmackDown, they had the contract signing. And Roman Reigns signed the contract with Paul Heyman and they handed it to Lesnar and Lesnar just threw the signature, threw it back, didn't even look at it. And of course, you know, he calls him out. Hey, 
didn't you want to read that? And Lesnar's like, dumbass, I think. Yeah, he called him a dumbass. And Lesnar's like, well, I read it last night when Paul Heyman and I went over it together. You said with my advocate, advocate, Paul Heyman. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you just, I love what they're doing. And I've always been critical of Lesnar's promos, but I think he has done some great stuff with this. I, I, I absolutely hate the metrosexual lumberjack look that he has now with the, with the man bun and the weird, whatever Mohawk thing. Um, but I, this is the match I'm looking the most forward to. Benny, what, how do you, where do you, what do you think about this one? I'm going to do the, and only, I totally agree with you that Roman Reigns heel gimmick head of the table, the bloodline has been one of the best things that WWE has done in many years. So what I'm predicting is a double swerve where, uh, Paul Heyman, uh, aligns himself with Brock. Brock turns heel, Roman turns baby face and, uh, Brock wins the title. Yeah, I I believe so. I agree with you entirely. Maybe not a full double turn, but I think Brock wins the title here, and I think it's going to be part of what they're doing with the, the like I talked about with Big E keeping the keeping the belt on Raw. Lesnar wins the title, and he keeps it with SmackDown because you now have the big star power on both shows. But I think Roman Reigns is getting the kind of reaction that they've always wanted him to have, almost like a, a Rock or a Dwayne Johnson or Rocky Maivia, whatever he was going by when he was with the nation, where he just slowly transitioned into the Rock and eventually, yeah, the corporate champ and the nation. Eventually, you had to turn the Rock face because everybody just loved what he was doing. Stone Cold, same thing. Uh, you know, I, I think. Roman Reigns becomes face just because they they want somebody so desperately that they can say, look, a natural face that the crowd truly loves. Look what we we find. Vince finally got his way. The crowd is cheering Roman Reigns on purpose. And but I don't know whether Heyman completely turns on on Reigns. I think it's going to be interesting because if they do do that. Remember, the Usos are still on SmackDown, too. So do you have the family, as they call it, three-on-one against Lesnar? Like, I, There's a lot of places they can go with this, but I with you, actually. My my predictions, I, I said Lesnar's winning the belt. I think it'll be very, very entertaining, though. Whatever happens, it, it's not going to be match of the night by any means, not with some no, of the, the other talent on this will, card. No, the will be okay, but the, the, the end is going to yeah, be great. The, the, the ending of this match will be the highlight of the show. Yeah, I think it's got to happen. I mean, I, I read some of the spoilers, you know, the predictions, you know, Bleacher Report, Sports yeah. Peta. Really, I mean, they're all predicting Reigns to retain. So I think we're going against the grain a little bit here, but let, we'll, we'll see. Well, and don't forget the uh, first time they were in Saudi Arabia, uh, they brought in Hulk Hogan. There was there were stories of the Saudi leadership wanting people they didn't realize were dead to be at the show. Or people that weren't under contract. So I think if they if they believe that Lesnar can get the crowd going, I think they might do it just to work the crowd. I think Brock's under contract until the next WrestleMania. So they have some time to work with it. Yeah, and, and having him lose the belt at Mania to the next big guy you're bringing up, like he did with Drew McIntyre, like he did with Rollins, um, like they tried to do with Reigns. I think that that's the role Lesnar fills. The only thing I worry about <clears throat> is I don't know what his appearance uh, contract is. 
um, as far as the title being represented on a weekly basis. That's my only, you know, worry going forward. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't want like what happened during his universal title reign on Raw, where you saw the champion. What it was like? I think he was only on Raw six or seven times the entire year, and you know he would show up for the pay per views and maybe maybe one or two go home shows. Right. I think, I think he was under contract for eight, 18 months. No, no, no greater than like 30 appearances. Yeah, I, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what his current deal is, but uh, that's my only concern as far as why it wouldn't happen. Well, and that goes to what I was saying with the rumors being the the next feud for Reigns being him and Drew McIntyre. I don't think that feud works if it's not for the title. So I'd be curious to see where they go. Right. Exactly. But um. As we wrap up, Benny, it's been a hell of a week. We got a thousand fans. Um, you have some closing remarks, am I correct? Well, not really remarks. You know, in our previous life, our previous podcast, one of my more pleasurable duties was a weekly poem for our uh, our sponsor. And so we we don't have a sponsor yet. I'm sure they're going to be uh, lining after this podcast. I think, uh, in fact, I think somebody's knocking at the door right now. I think Jim Cornette actually wants us to share some of his. He's just, you know, he's so impressed with us. But um, so this is for the brigade um, because this is what this show is all about. So as I sit here with this glass of wine, the brigade is 1,000 strong. That's pretty damn fine. So here's to the Dan and Benny brigade to quote Rodney and Caddyshack. We're all going to get laid. Hey, and uh, to to continue with the Caddyshack quotes, tell your friends, Benny, you join the uh, join the brigade, get a free bowl of soup, right? Yeah, it looks good on you, though. <laughs> that was for Tony Rocca, who is one of our very devoted members, always posting, always posting some positive stuff. Uh, loves Roddy Piper, thinks Roddy Piper and superstar Billy Graham are two of the greatest heels of all time, which I 100 percent agree with him on. But yeah, Absolutely. that was that was for Tony. <laughs> I love it. And uh, I'll tell you, that's one thing we haven't uh, without without having to to work with our our corporate sponsors of the old show. I missed some of the Benny, some of the especially some of the uh, interesting testicular humor you could come up with. <laughs> but I mean, uh, we got a heck of a week ahead of us and we got some good shows coming up next few weeks. So keep up. Uh, keep listening for for all our fans out there and friends out there. We cannot express enough how grateful we are a thousand fa- a thousand members on the page you guys are the reason we do this and it's the reason we keep doing this and uh, we enjoy it i'm still saying onwards and upwards let's hit 2000 there you go onwards and upwards so for the bs express himself benny scala i'm dan Sebastian. have a good night everyone and as always happy wrestling good night stay safe